and welcome again to another week here on Session Zero. Uh, today is going to be uh, a continuation of last episode's uh, spellcasting fun. Uh, my name is Jason. Uh, I am once again joined by my co-hosts, uh, Gerald and Alicia. Hello! And we have our special guest back, my wonderful wife, Chris. That was a weak one. Yeah, that was a weak one. I can't do it. I can't do it. (laughs) That was your time to shine and let (laughs) let the world know what you got behind. Don't you know I suck on stage? Yeah, fair point. Isn't that how you guys met? (laughs) Yeah. Kind of. Suck it social interaction. There we go. Social interaction is hard sometimes, hey, which is why we're, this is a radio show and not like a live recorded thing. Well, I mean, we you don't know. We could step up our game next episode. Uh, I I do. No shirt, no pants. I'm wearing shorts. Does that count as I no mean, pants? Halfway there. I mean, I'm I'm not wearing pants. I'm so glad I can only see you from the waist <laughs> up. Like I. <laughs> I'm in a bathrobe. Like I'm I don't know. This is this is you know, if people listening needed to know this. I think <laughs> I think this is too much info for our viewers. But uh you know, just cut this section out. We don't it's have okay. viewers it'll, yet. It'll get edited out. Jake's got this. <laughs> Jake will fix it. Jake for the It's way. okay. Technically they're just staring at a screen listening to us talk. So technically Not even. I bet us. we're probably in their pocket. Like they just like hit play, put us in the pocket and they're just walking somewhere. Or they're at the gym and they're on the treadmill and they're like, wow, this is dumb. Well, do do podcast. All right. So <laughs> today, tangent, we're going to uh, cover the nuances and the differences between the casting classes. Uh we did a lot of spell casting stuff last week because it was it's necessary. It's if you're gonna pick a caster, you want to know that stuff ahead of time anyway. Because if you pick a caster and then all of a sudden you realize there's so much more that you need to know about it, it might turn you off to it. So we give you all the info beforehand so you can make a fun decision. The more you know. <laughs> so, uh, in looking at the classes that we were talking about last week, is there any that you guys wanted to start off with? Uh, just kind of as a reminder, those classes are bards, clerics, druids, sorcerers, warlocks, and wizards. Hmm. Is this an opening for a pun? Like, I don't. If you have a pun, that would be greatly appreciated. I'm not that kind of a pundit. Like, should, you know, should I join, you know, the Bard's College or the Thieves Guild? You know, weigh my pros and cons? <laughs> I knew you were going to throw that one out today. That's yeah, why I'm I not laughing. To. I've been I'm working on laughing. that. I'm still yesterday. laughing. I heard it the <laughs> other day and I'm still laughing. <laughs> I, I don't know if we're helping, you know, listenership if with these... <laughs> Whoops. I'm sure somebody enjoys our, our randomness. Acceptable. Can you imagine I'm not single? I make those jokes and I still have a boyfriend. I mean, yo, same. I'm married. Is oh, he listen, will he listen, though? 
And will you have a boyfriend afterwards? Are we now a dating service? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Okay, so uh, can we do (laughs) paladins? We did that Uh, last time. Yeah, paladins was on the melee one. Oh, I got excited. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no, that's totally fine. I mean, technically, they do have a spell. Are they the ones that have like innate abilities? They're they're the ones that they have some spell casting, uh, but primarily the main reason people use all the spell slots on Paladin is to use Smite or to heal somebody. They're they're light knights, like you know they're yeah. they're they're glory whores. So don't worry about that. Oh, exactly. Actual factual. Oh, um, if you want to talk about um, magic, that uh, maybe they're born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. We can start talking about sorcerers. Yes, that's yes. what I wanted. You knew. Okay. You knew. <laughs> so, sorcerers are—they're um, inherently born with magic through some kind of ancestry. Um, basically, uh, your magic comes from your DNA. You inherited power through some means. Basically, your parents magically spoiled you with magical money. Um, this is referred to as your sorcerer's origin. It can be something like, um, you have a dragon somewhere in your ancestry or, um, goodness, maybe even, crap, I can't seem to remember anything else because I only ever focused on the dragon. The draconic one. (laughs) Um, to be fair though, the the draconic bloodline is really cool. At a 14th level, you can uh, bonus action a pair of wings into being that give you flying speed, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, so for sorcerers, they mainly use charisma as their casting set. Um, they are very generally very charismatic. Comes with being spoiled, I guess. Um, no sorcerers. Bias here. So sorcerers are one of my favorites also because uh, they can get their power like their latent power from so many different sources and sometimes uh, it doesn't go well wild <laughs> and, magic. and you have wild magic sorcerers which every time you crit fail you roll on a magic table and a random effect happens mm-hmm It's wonderful. Like, I've wanted to play a wild magic sorcerer, but I've never gotten that full gumption to actually sit down and go, all right, let's make one. (laughs) Um, But they can have a bunch of cool effects. Like uh, one right here is uh, when you roll on the percentile die, um, let's say you got 13, 14. um, Your effect now is you cast confusion centered on yourself. So you are now confused. Um, (laughs) Other weird effects, you can regain 2d10 hit points. You can cast Levitate on yourself. One of my favorites. A unicorn controlled by the DM appears in a space within 5 feet of you and then disappears one minute later. Just random unicorn. Just random unicorn. What a unicorn. I love the look on Alicia's face. It's Absolutely priceless. I, I um, what? So yeah, sorcerers are super fun. There's a lot of potential. You can do a lot of different things with them because you're you know spoiled rotten. You can choose to go with a Lambo. You can choose to go with a Mercedes. You can pick your flavor of super powered car to take you through your magical adventure. Um, 
So with regards to their kind of general like casting business, um, Wait, you have on. a small you turn amount a of what's considered as spells known. What was that? Yeah, you could turn into a plant. Yes, you can turn into a plant. You can turn into a rock, too. Mm-hmm. I can turn into Dwayne Johnson? With the disguise self-spell, you definitely could. That's all I need. I'm, I'm pretty sure basically every casting class has access to disguise self. I think maybe I with think the exception so. of druids. But druids, they have their own list of things they can turn into. They have their own bestial Dwayne Johnson that they can turn into. Yep. Interesting. So... A furry. Um, they have a small amount Dwayne of spells known Johnson. referring to. Yeah. A furry Dwayne Johnson. Um, exactly. <laughs> Except Druids. With Druids, you just become a hairy Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> um, a small amount of spells known, which basically says, like, compared to, uh, like, Druids and Clerics, um, Druids and Clerics have a lot of freeformity when it comes to what they prepare for their spells for the day. Um, sorcerers, when you look at their level table and like the different things that you get for level, um, you'll notice they say spells known, cantrips known, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's specifically how many spells you know across the board. Maybe you know a bunch of first level spells, not a whole ton of second level spells, more third level spells. Um, there's a lot of customness that you can um, put into your sorcerer that way. If you notice that you're going to be you know, really focusing on a lot of first level spells, go for it. You have that free formity. And when you get to the higher levels, you can take that opportunity to beef up those first level spells with your fifth level spell slots, sixth level spell slots, and really get more bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. Um, they also get um, what Joe Cat has referred to as the two nerdiest words ever said, um, sorcery points and metamagic. Um, where basically you make up for being so spoiled by throwing your magical money at more parts for your supercharged car. What that means is you can use your sorcery points and your metamagic features to beef up your spells, double the distance of your spells, cast your spells in silence. Um, You can transmute your spells now as of Tasha's um, Cauldron of Everything, where you can turn your fire spell into an ice spell. You're realizing your fire damage spells aren't doing enough damage against the enemy, but it seems to have some effect to your um, cleric's cold spell. Well, let me try that. Go for it. Transmute your spell. You're suddenly doing um, cold damage instead of fire, and it seems to actually hurt the enemy this time. Alicia is deep in thought. I see the thinking face. That's just my face. I can't help it. (laughs) I love it. No, I'm just trying to figure Um, out how do I like use this to my advantage. I'm already, I'm already thinking way too hard. You know, you can smell the mm -hmm. smoke. Um, I'm just going to have fun with it. Yeah, exactly. And that's at the end of the day, that's just have fun with it. Absolutely. And something I also want to stress is, you don't have to go into a game or a session knowing everything firsthand. Uh-huh. Uh, your fellow players will help you out. Your DM will help you figure things out. I mean, it w- if you know everything already, like exactly what your spells do and everything else, then awesome. Mm-hmm. Good job. 
but <laughs> it's not totally necessary. I yeah. mean, they make cool little accessories for like everything. Mm-hmm. Um, they have spellbook cards for every class if you want to have classes. And then like if you go on like Etsy, you'll find people that sell spellbooks that you can put those cards in. So you can travel around with your little spellbook having all your cards and telling you what to do. Yeah, like, uh, for example, um, Jason got me for my uh, Draconic Bloodline Sorcerer, he actually got me the Arcane Spellbook cards because um, she's using Arcane Magic versus uh, Druidic or um, Divine Magic. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Um, How are you feeling, Gerald? I don't know. Just seems like a lot. <laughs> A lot, I, feel, I feel like spellcasting isn't your thing. I mean, it is, but it isn't. You want punchables for your lunchables. I mean, I like <laughs> spells, but like, knowing me, I'd like dive way too into it and then figure out which spells go best with each other and then get really 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 into it and then I would just rack my brain and end up hurting it that's why I just like to punch I will just want to punch things yeah and like that's to let's actually pop over to clerics for a perfect example of too much that maybe you're not going to use the cleric spell list and the druid spell list by extension are very long and in the level table for both classes, they do not specify how many spells you know. So you basically have free reign. Um, but a lot of that comes from the fact that you are connected to something that gives you that power, that energy, that strength. Um, your divine magic for being a cleric, your druidic nature circle for being a druid. Um, when looking at the cleric spell list, when designing my cleric character for one of Jason and I's other games... I looked at that spell list. I said, I'm not using this. Nope. 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 And I condensed it down to all the spells I knew that if I was my character, that would be what I prepared from for the day. And that way it kept me from looking at all the different spells I could possibly prepare from those huge lists. And I just said, absolutely not. I'm going to use what I think my character would use. My character would not know, um, goodness, like how to create or destroy water. My character would not know how to do like some of these different spells because they didn't have that um, connection. Their connection is inherently to the earth. So a lot of their spells are very elemental based. A lot of their spells are nature based or spirit based because of their shamanic uh, traditions as well. So yeah, a lot of it also goes with how you want to build your character in the story setting. Yeah. Absolutely. You don't absolutely have to design a character that does all damage spells. You don't have to solely rely on fire spells. You can rely on whatever spells you think work for your character. That makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have so, oh. to choose a deity? Like, do the clerics for have clerics? to choose Not one? Not necessarily. Uh, for clerics, 
typically you do uh just because they have like you know channel divinity at, at certain points and mm-hmm. that kind of helps shape how you you are but it's also something that you want to talk with your uh dm about because you want to know like who are the deities in this world mm-hmm. uh what would my spells look like if i were to summon the deity mm-hmm. um you know things like that that you should be talking with your DM about for, uh, if you want to be a cleric. Mm-hmm. Um, now, are there what I mean by not necessarily in D and D? Technically, you could be. Like, I mean, you can be an atheist. I don't know if you can be an atheist cleric, though. I mean, I guess really the best example that you could <laughs> pick from this would be if you were to use. Um, just to pull an example from Critical Role, if you were to pull um, one of their guest characters, Kashaw, he was a cleric and he worshipped basically the dead spirit of his wife, who was in a way a minor deity. But that was definitely discussed with the DM beforehand before saying, okay, this is exactly what I want to play. Like, definitely, if you want to go a slightly divergent path from picking a deity out of the book, picking a deity out of the world and picking something that's more of a loose construct, um, talk with your DM and see if they'll allow it. Speaking okay. of DMs, how, how do you like end up picking one or getting one? Like, how does... Oh, that's actually a pretty good question. Um, there's several ways to do it. Uh, I know that... Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, it's a little harder now because of COVID, but Dungeons and Dragons, they uh, have this thing called the Adventurers League where certain like game shops will have a D&D night that you can uh, hop in and they'll do like smaller sessions. Um, typically those are maybe, they have like a little cost associated to them just to kind of reserve your seat. Uh, I think it's like five to ten bucks is what uh, one of the ones near us does when they had uh, Adventures League play. Um, I know they've moved a lot of that online. Um, check your game shops, uh, it, your local game shops. Um, there are some, like, I know in our area there's a, a Discord server that's based just around uh, gaming and tabletop gaming. So that's an option to find a DM. Uh, maybe you have a local one as well. Um, conventions are a good place to kind of find like information about them. Like even if you go for a day to a tabletop convention. Um, but really there's a lot of resources on uh, the Dungeons and Dragons website by itself that show you like what game stores uh, are signed up with them, uh, who hosts Adventure League play. um, And then through your connections there, you can like branch off and do like a bigger campaign with a few friends and you find a DM that wants to host their own campaign. Or if you're fine, just, you know, playing casually every once in a while, you know, stick with your Adventure League play. Okay, cool. So you can't just find him in the personals? <laughs> I mean, you probably could. I mean, you could throw out like a Craigslist personals ad and be like, uh, 
newbie player seeking hot DM for a new campaign. That would go so well. <laughs> I can just absolutely not. Do that? not listen to his advice. What was that one Do page? Not listen to like missed encounters or something. Like, yep. <laughs> oh man, Craigslist is so entertaining. This. About twelve years ago. Yeah, it's not as good anymore. But that's for another podcast. Correct. <laughs> Um, absolutely. Backpage Betty. Um, oh my god. Oh dear. Um, uh, so, I guess we can move on to Druids, since that's the other one we were already kind of touching on. Mm-hmm. Um, druids, nature of the earth. Um, your power is generally drawn from a druidic circle. Um, for example, the uh, circle of the moon, circle of the sun, circle of dreams. Um it's a natural connection to something. Um, like if you're connected to the moon, um, you get a lot of bonuses to your wild shape stuff. If you're connected to the land, you get op- you get opportunities to summon a lot of different magical creatures to your aid. Um, and you get a lot of, um, no, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of Circle of the Shepherd. Circle of the Shepherd, you get to summon magic cre- magical creatures to your aid, whereas Circle of the Land, you get bonuses based on the different um, land places that you're from. If you're from the desert or the tundra or something, you can basically pick where you're from um, as far as your circle of the land and you'll get um, some bonus spells. You'll get different effects based on based on that. Um, and wild shape which is, is the most fun that you can have. You want to be a mammoth? You can be a mammoth. You want to be a bear? You can be a bear. You want to be a raven? Absolutely. Go fly into somebody's house. When you get to, <laughs> like, end the game, like, towards the end, like, high-level wild shape stuff, mm-hmm. I turned into a brontosaurus, and my DM hated me because he didn't have a figure for it to be that size, uh, he had no idea what to do with it because it had so many hit points and he was like, I forgot you could do that. And that's my fault for forgetting. But you suck. <laughs> I'm Absolutely. Um, so druids are um, a little bit behind in terms of the healing clerics. If you're looking to play more of a healer class, clerics are definitely going to be your bread and butter healer buffer, um, but they also have a lot of damage spells. Druids have less healing spells, but they have approximately the same amount of resurrections. Um, They do still have some versatility as far as healing is concerned, but they're definitely not going to have the healing output that a cleric can have. Mm -hmm. Um, Plus, a lot of times, most druids you're looking at are going to be damage dealers. Um, Again, with no spells known. Sorry, is there like a list of specific animals you can turn into because it says you like assume their HP and their um, you know their hit dice and all that so there's like a specific list you have to choose from I imagine it's pretty expansive though right exactly it's a it's a pretty sizable list if anything a lot of it has to do with um, different challenge ratings Um, challenge ratings referring to like Uh, so typically your DM will have a list uh, when you hit second level, you can change into anything that's a challenge rating 
of a quarter uh, as an example is like a wolf. Uh, at fourth level, your challenge rating goes up to a half, which is something like a crocodile. At eighth level, you can turn into a giant eagle and send Frodo straight to the mountain. Yes. Oh, cool. I actually just read where those eagles came from the other day. It's a cool story. Mm-hmm. Cool origin story. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it, keep, it keeps going up, and then um, some druidic classes or subclasses have uh, different ways to use wild shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, like some of them, instead of being animals, can be elementals. Uh, another one uh, that just came out in uh, the new source book, Tasha's, uh, that I really like, uh, they become like this luminous form, and they have like constellations that appear on them. Um, and it has like a whole list of like bonuses and stuff that they got. Uh, so wild shape is a lot of fun to mm-hmm. to work with, especially like if you want to take the time and do it. Especially because it doesn't really have a a time limit, honestly. Yeah, it's if you turn it off or if you fall unconscious. Yeah, basically. Um, you do have a certain number of uses starting out, but if you take Druid all the way to 20th level, um, when you get your Arch Druid feature, um, basically you can be any wild shape you want as many times as you want per day. You could be Maui from Moana. Mm-hmm. Basically. You're welcome. Oh, okay, I'm so glad somebody <laughs> um, said it, because I was going to. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, like, to kind of compare these guys, um, kind of throwing in Cleric and Druid together here, um, they are both excellent melee or ranged classes, um, if you want to play kind of a nice in-between spellcaster, whereas Sorcerers, inherently, you're looking at more of a ranged class, um, you really don't want to be up in front in combat, um, whereas Druid, with the wild shape stuff, it gives you those really neat little niche situations where you can be in melee, um, where you can be a tank or, um, you know, in the case of the clerics, if you need to get through the front line to get to one of your down party members, um, you can muscle your way through there and get there and pretty solid. So it's been a lot to take in so far. How are you guys feeling? There's just so much more. Like, you're just far deeper than any of like the melee classes yes they really are and that's not to say that being melee is bad you can have a lot of fun with melee classes uh and some of them can get pretty intricate down the line as you level up Mm. um but they're definitely the classes that you kind of ease in a little more and amp up Whereas you have all these options to you right off the bat as a caster. Yeah. And there's just more like Yeah, I agree path, with that. paths to take um, per class. Speaking of options, let's talk about bards. Bards are fun. Bards are wonderful. Bards can be the bane of every party's existence or they can be your wonderful friend that somehow gets you to defeat the bad guy in record time. Um... 
bards are your musicians. They're performers. They're your street rats trying to earn coin um, by playing a broken fiddle. They're your <laughs> minstrels in court. Um, you can play them however you want to play them. You can have them be, you know, your deviant character, or you can have them be really shy. Um, bards are a lot of fun to play and offer a lot of role play opportunities. Um, and they have a lot kind of going for them. Um, I know, Alicia, you were kind of looking at going into some colleges here. Bards have a huge variety of colleges to um, immerse themselves in. Um, you know, you've got your College of Whispers. If you want to be more sneaky and stealthy, more roguelike, they've got your um, College of Valor. If you want to inspire your fighter teammates, um, you know, the um, the College of uh, Eloquence that just came out, the College of Lore. If you want to be freaking smarty pants, go for <laughs> it. Um, there's so many awesome things that bards can do and can really round out a party really solidly they do have some healing which is pretty great they've got um things that can make the enemy miss you make your attacks hit the enemy um bards are a lot of fun and they have a lot of versatility and a lot of um cool unique features that they really bring to a party it's funny because bard was the one like um casting class that i sorry i've got consider. a really itchy wrist um, um, you'll also notice that they have a, a pretty substantial list of uh, spells known. Um, they can also gain more spells through if you pick something like the College of Lore, they'll get things there. Um, and they can do this awesome thing of um, inspiration where they can allow your uh, party member to, let's say they rolled really bad. Um, on a particular role at one point during their uh, combat, their turn, whatever, um, within the past 10 minutes, you inspired them by singing them a wonderful song about their butt crack or something like that. They get the opportunity to roll a die to potentially influence a pass versus a fail. So Gerald, what, what attracted you to Barks? Why are you so curious about them? Because they're like stand-up comedians. They talk a lot of shit. That's me. <laughs> like, I mean, That's a fair point. It's like what I would be with, you know, the way my brain works and how I, I think quickly on my feet. And I love karaoke, but I'm not really a good singer. So, you know, it's just... I mean, as long as you roll a decent enough performance check I think that's really all that matters Right. <laughs> as long as you pass yeah it's also um, like you don't necessarily have to be the best singer you can be um, you can just be someone really witty you can be a Shakespeare even and you can play that sort of a part you don't have to sing and dance and do this with your pants <laughs> I know where that's from. That's great. Thank You're you. Welcome. I mean, that's that's an awesome way to play a bard is to just be a goofy character. You don't necessarily have to sing or dance or perform in that sense. You can just be like basically a lyricist that just knows how to turn the words the right way to inspire somebody or just be a slam poet. There you go. Exactly. Be a damn slam poet. Or it can be um, 
uh, <laughs> if you're, you know, if you're like a college of valor bard, you could basically just do nothing but, um, but hakas. And then you can, ex- yeah, you can like war chant at your, uh, at your teammates and get them to better stabby the bad guy. I could also just be Matt Foley, motivational speaker, <laughs> and just bust in talking about how I live in a van down by the river. One hundred percent. Yeah. There's no limit to what you could be as a bard. Oh yes. Um and I mean like one of the um prime worst character combinations that exists out there is the gnome bard and it's the one that you know someone says i'm playing a gnome bard and for whatever reason it just makes everyone's insides curdle at the table well you can play a bard the way that sam regal did on critical role and really make this amazing crazy cool character that you look at the base concept of it and you're like oh it's just a sexual deviant person you'd whatever i don't want anything to do with this and it, the character turned into one of my and i think one of our favorite characters of the whole campaign i think another thing that kind of drew me to them is they're it's like the most in line with being a lawyer it's like other than like the singing i mean what what i do is i tell a story through evidence and so you kind of put on a show and mm-hmm. it's just the one thing that, you know, led me that way, uh, just because it's, I don't know, it was the thing that most spoke to me and is most in line, kind of like with what I do in real life. Um, I, I think you just gave Chris a character idea. You know what I honestly just kind of thought of was if uh, if Gerald played basically like a Phoenix Wright Objection. But like a Shakespearean theme. Oh, that yes, awesome. exactly. <laughs> Actually, and so, be like, you want to use cutting words? Objection. So like my my like in my mind, I want to play a and I've told Jason this before. It's a, a the mm-hmm. race is like a a, a mixed race because I'm biracial. It's like a social justice mm-hmm. character who is out trying to right all the wrongs in the world through either like as a paladin or like a bard like somebody who's just out there trying to do what's right and stand up for the little guy and that's why i'm leaning more towards paladin because they seem like more like the person that would you know stand up for the little guy and bards would just like talk shit about the little guy but still help him out in the end um but like i just like the 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 show that is the bar. It's mm-hmm. like they're like they're the center of attention. And yeah, you know, that's their performers. And like, you know, when I'm in court making statements, I it their performances. Like, you know, they're you're you're trying to mm-hmm. sell it to a judge, to a jury, to people, and you have to be able to put forth this story that people are gonna believe and then, you know continue telling kind of uh people usually don't go out and tell our court stories but yeah you know it's something that sticks with somebody really that's a great way to look at it though you know because it is very comparable and mm-hmm. i feel like a bard would be a good kind of alternative to a paladin if you wanted to go something a little more castery 
Yeah. And you could still have, depending on what college you pick, you could still have some of a melee element. But at the same time, like if there's a cause that your character believes in very strongly, you can use that platform of their performances to really like hammer in, you know, I disagree with the war that's going on between these nations. I disagree with how the people are treated in the streets. Whereas, you know, and you really don't have to worry about a divinity component if that's not something you want to worry about. Whereas with a paladin, you really have to like kind of think about the divinity component and um, your oath. Like, do you have an oath to the crown? Do you have um, an oath to no one? Are you an oath breaker? Um, But I kind of feel like just in listening to you talk, I feel like the bard would be a bit more of a fun route for you. And would have a lot more of those role play opportunities for that social justice that you're kind of looking to. But but to but just to be clear, <laughs> Edgeworth was far more of a bard with that big ruffly like shirt that he wore all the time. So I mean, I know Phoenix Wright was like on the the side of justice, but Miles Edgeworth mm-hmm. like you know <laughs> oh, he yeah. dressed the part. A hundred percent, he really did. All right, we got two more classes to cover, and then next week we're going to have a lot of fun rolling our first characters. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, is she, is so, she going to be sticking around? And by she, I mean Chris. That's, that's entirely up to you. <laughs> yeah, maybe. We'll, we will have to see. They might stick around. Yes. They, them. They, them. It's okay. I know. It's okay. It's, as soon as I said, I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, there's our F word. I get it. There, there's our bomb. All there's right. our F bomb, guys. <laughs> nice. Um, so, just to lightly touch on Warlock, because I personally don't know the most about Warlock. What I basically know about Warlock is they are a revolver that you add barrels to to make it a beefier revolver but a lot of what you're doing with it is very like one-timey kind of thing with regards to that revolver mechanism a lot of your stuff is going to be based around your cantrip some of your melee involvement and some of your um as they're referred to eldritch invocations which are bonus effects that you get from your Pact to get your magic. Yep. Um, the Great Old One is an example. Pact of the Archfey is another example. Um, different. Hexblade, yep. which is a little bit more of a melee pack. Yep. There's a lot of fun packs for Warlock. Um, I actually just went into Hexblade Warlock uh, as a multi-class for my ranger, mm-hmm. just because it fit in the story. Um, and it's honestly pretty cool because now I have a sword that I can kind of poof in and out of existence like it, yeah. like it was a keyblade. Yeah, basically. Warlocks are fun. Um, again, weird shit. Often have a lot of dealings with otherworldly beings. Um, they only know how to fire at max capacity, by the way. Basically, yeah. Like, they don't know... Like, they know a lot of spells, but they can't cast a lot. But when they cast it, it is always at the highest level you can cast it. Okay. So there's no, you, like... You absolutely <laughs> turned it into a boomstick. Yeah, there's into no, like... Into a boomstick. 
Uh, there's there's no uh, you know light warlocking. No, if you are trying to run away from somebody and cause a little fire with a fireball, but you happen to be a high level, it is now a nuke, and you cannot do yeah. anything about it. Nothing whatsoever. It's just automatically cast at its highest possible level. <laughs> okay. But the cool thing is, is that there are different ways that you can take it. You can... Um, break your packs forge new ones you can um you can dip into some of the other classes um to really get some more well-roundedness to your packs mm-hmm. you don't have to solely rely on being any class but warlocks are a lot of fun mm-hmm. i just haven't i just haven't personally dedicated that moment to like sit down and say that's what i'm playing and then Huh. We have our last one. Harry Potter. <laughs> Not actually Harry Potter. Um, You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> I'm a what? Um, so wizards, um, or as Jason put it in my notes, um, they study the crap out of their magic. Um, basically, their power is drawn from their arcane studies. Um Wizards, for the most part, if we're talking about Player's Handbook, they draw on their magic from a specific school. If you look at a particular spell, you'll see underneath it, um, underneath the title, it says fourth level evocation, fourth level divination. It says some particular school of magic underneath it. All of the wizard classes that are in the Player's Handbook draw from a spell school like that for necromancy, for example. Um, your power is tied to your spell book. So basically you acquire spells by buying scrolls, acquiring another wizard's spell book, and you can copy those spells down in your spell book. And as long as you have the components or an arcane focus, you can cast it from your spell book. So you have a huge range of possibilities but a lot of your core magic is tied to your school of magic. So let's say you're Harry Potter and you excel at magical beasts versus potions. Wasn't he defense against the dark arts? Shut up. Alicia's just going with it at this point. Yeah, let's do this. Um... The cool thing about them is um, while all of their leveled spells or spell slot spells um, are in their spell book, their cantrips are, and specifically says in the player's handbook, in their mind. So they have a lot of freedom with the cantrips that they can choose, and they don't have to worry about having a cantrip written in their spell book. Alternatively, if you come across a cantrip, as far as I'm aware, you cannot put the cantrip in your spell book. You have to know it in your mind. Oh. Um, they are also the only intelligence-based caster. So if you absolutely want to be this bookish snob that is capable of scorching Ray, the enemy, to death, um, go for it. Okay. So Alicia, what caster do you want to be? I don't know. There's too many options. <laughs> I'm a little overwhelmed. <laughs> like, I, I understand everything you're telling me. But again, it's just like, mm-hmm. how does this 
I have no applicable experience. So it's just, yeah. it's still all in my head. I mean, yeah, a lot of things everyone, are in my head, but. Everyone's got to start somewhere. And honestly, the easiest way to start is if you know you want to play a caster or one of these six, roll a dice and let fate decide. Yeah. There's actually some awesome resources out there for randomly generating a character for you. Oh. So if you want to use D&D Beyond and generate a second level caster character, you can do that. Um, there's one that I really like to use that um, you can roll a custom race, you can roll a custom class, you can roll a custom name, custom gender, you can roll anything you want whatsoever and it will create everything for you and even a name even like a trinket that they have like a bunch of other stuff if you google 5e random character generator you'll get a list of character generators that you'll literally just have to click a button that says generate and you'll get a picture uh backstory uh what class they are mm -hmm. Yeah, it's how I ended up creating the um, Oathbreaker Paladin for one of our one-shots, and it's how um, Jason created his uh, rogue character for that same one-shot, and we both loved the characters after just playing them for a single four-hour period. Yeah, good old Phil G. So you don't absolutely have to, like, point your finger in the book and say, I want to play that. If you want fate to decide it for you, go for it. That may be how I start off. <laughs> There's no harm in doing that whatsoever. Like, I've given you, like, a ton of information to digest. I'm not expecting you to just say, this is exactly what I want to play. But at least you feel a little more educated and you know, like, what your options are. Instead mm -hmm. of just blindly picking something. Mm -hmm. Can I play two characters? Or is that, like against like the rules dual personality character T typically it's one character per campaign but you can always join as many campaigns as you want mm -hmm. or you can do like what we were doing we wanted to play with the same group but we wanted to play different characters so uh we had a bi it was the game was already bi-weekly so on our off weeks we started a second game so they could play additional characters just because different dm so the dm wasn't getting burnt out so uh we had our dm for the normal one and then i was dm for the other one uh so it's back and forth and chris got to flip between the tabaxi cleric and the was it uh, elf, um, yeah. rogue. Pallid elf, rogue. Which was, you know, a lot of fun. And they're both vastly different characters. Yeah. Whereas my tabaxi cleric is very um, loud and very, like, in people's business. And um, in a lot of cases, very obnoxious. Um, Broski, as they were referred to, was this mute... Um, very like to the point um but still capable of like humor and like general jokes and goofing off and stuff like that character that didn't allow for them to form any strict attachments because at their core they were a criminal they could not afford attachments 
And a lot of that is tied into their backstory that has not been explored yet. I'm still kind of mad that we didn't get further in that because, oh, they would have been a lot of fun at higher levels. We can still theoretically pick back up. <laughs> Someday. So there you guys have it. That's all the casting classes in a nutshell. Mostly. I did have more notes, but I definitely condensed it down. I feel like more stuff is going to come up in character creation that can... That can be a good time to iron out some of the last minute details. Yeah. But do you guys know what a necromancer says during a magic trick? <gasps> Abra. You're going to be bald? Abra cadaver. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. You realize most but most of your, your podcast is just me like cackling in the background to things. Yeah. And you know what? I... I I love it. Okay, good. I wouldn't change anything about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next week, we are officially rolling our first characters. Uh, I feel like we have enough basic information to kind of get started. Uh, And the rest of the way the rest of this podcast is going to go is we're going to kind of do more sample scenarios with the characters that we roll in the next session. Uh, That way you guys get to learn about you know perception and how to use your skills and insight and different things like that because we can explain it forever but unless you get into practice with it and listen to somebody doing it it's just gonna get lost in translation so first characters next week and then we'll jump into little scenarios okay great any parting any parting words for our listeners. Don't take wooden nickels. They're definitely not a dime a dozen. Ah. Okay, we need to go. Okay. <laughs>